everyone welcome to csm secrets key insights from influential customer success leaders today today i have jeff heckler who's a senior customer success leader with over 20 years of running customer success professional services and customer facing revenue teams for organizations such as sap accenture and stanford Currently, Jeff is the Director of Customer Success Solutions for Market Sourcing, a leading global provider of sales and customer success innovation and solutions. Jeff also sits on the Board of Advisors for Customer Success Performance Index, the Product Advisory Board for CAS.app, and is a Principal Thought Leader, Digital CS for Practical CSM. When Jeff and I sat together, the conversation broadly revolved around two topics. One, the common myths around CSM practice, Two, the key traits leaders like him look for in aspiring candidates. It was a very insightful session, and I want you all to join, tune in, and listen to some of the wonderful insights Jeff had to share with us today. Let's jump right in. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. How are you today? I'm great, Shubha. Thank you, and and thank you for inviting me to be on your program today. Thank you. So it's just been the second episode of this uh, CSM Secrets podcast that we started. Uh, we started this with an intention uh, to lead uh, from the top uh, leaders like you for aspiring customer success professionals that want to make a career in customer success. So I'm pleased and honored that you're uh, a guest on this show, which is just about starting, and I'm happy to get our conversation going. All set. Oh, well, I, I am too. Yeah, and, okay. and I am too. And actually, I did see the the uh, first episode drop with Miranda. So um, you guys have, are off to a fantastic start with a with a great leader that that she is. Okay, thanks, uh, Jay. So I'm going to jump straight on to the questions. There is a lot to find out from you, right? So my first question for you. So you are one of the um, influential leaders in customer success today. Which skill that you built from very early on helped you to pivot towards a career in customer success and do so well as a customer success leader? Number two, are these skills still relevant for new entrants coming into the market? Sure. Um, well, I'll kind of take it from reverse. I I think if you look at a lot of the leadership that's in customer uh, success that are in customer success roles today, you will see that they call come from uh, customer facing roles and, and a large majority of that come from uh, backgrounds with professional services. So I started in uh, technology and software over 20 years ago. I came up through professional services uh, with on-premise software. And so the, the, what, what I you know, go back to the, the, really the first question now is the skill they built upon early on um, was holding accountability myself and, and for the teams that I was managing for delivering to results and to outcomes and contract deliverables uh, and, and for multiple stakeholders for which professional services often gets engaged with. So it was the two components that, that I have uh, experienced that drove um, the ability to, to have any sort of success with, with CS is that from a leadership perspective with professional services, you touch so many parts of your organization and somebody else's organization, uh, sales, post-sales functions, um, and then with the customer, all the stakeholders that are necessary to get the job done once you get into the, the customer's environment. So with on-prem, obviously, you know, I was a... Uh, 
a very uh, high billable and active um, and, and high utilization rate consultant uh, and leading teams of such. And so you are on the ground owning. Uh, and very often I felt like I was more of a, an employee of the customer's organization than, than my parent organization. Um, but you're, you're owning the contract deliverables. You're, and so you build the empathy of what it is like to sit next to somebody that has to deliver this for their company day after day. And so that empathy muscle really gets developed. And of course, you have to come with that as a, as a, as a character, uh, part of your character anyways. And I know we'll talk about this when we get moving on. But um, I think professional services is something where you'll see a lot of people that have had success and customer success come from. Um, it's applicable today. And it's been a great place for customer success, which we all know is very uh, young in its maturation standpoint as yeah. of right now. So it's a great, great place to start. Yeah, so I've just taken down two points, right? One is, uh, it is it is it is good enough to say that when Jeff is involved, there is accountability. It is as good as signed and bled. And then the empathy <laughs> muscles, the empathy muscles that you have. Yeah, those two are great takeaways from from what you just said. Well, I, I actually I'll take it a, th a step further. One of the things that I've I've led with for a long time is that there's this old commercial by Allstate. And I think they still use the tagline, but your customer wants to know that you're in good hands with Allstate. And I, I had a VP of sales uh, back when I worked for SAP Business Objects who, who told me, hey, Jeff, with, with our customers, when our sales are done and they move to you, I know we're good because they're in good hands with Allstate with you. And so you want, you want the customer to feel wrapped up, wrapped around in comfort and, and warmth from your company on all sides. So I think that's as part of the, the ethos that you want to lead with. Wow, wow, that's a great uh, takeaway. Now, my second question for you, right? So, Gary, we, we all know him as a great <laughs> businessman and marketer. He recently posted on LinkedIn, Adoshes, right? He said, skill is commodity. Attitude is everything. And me, I have done sales. I've done engineering. And I, of all the career ladders, I think a customer success is a profession that requires extraordinary attitude. It is led by attitude. Uh, can you tell me if you agree with this? And one instance where attitude steered you out of, you know, a major, uh, uh, you know, even from happening or it helped you. Is there any such instance that you can share? Well, I'll, I'll go a step further and share this with you. Gary and I went to high school together. So uh, he, he, was a, he was a year behind me at North 100 in high school in Clinton, New Jersey. Uh, and he was a lot quieter of a kid than he is today. Uh, but uh, he has had a great career and he's a great guy. Uh, was then, is now. Um, and so that's where, uh, you know, with Gary Vandercheck, where, where my background begins with him. Um, so, uh, but he's right. And actually, while we were in that high school, I played on the basketball team and our slogan on front of our t-shirts when we warmed up was attitude is everything. So it's kind of funny that you, you ask me that now, uh, you know, 30 years later. Um, but so, I, so attitude is everything. And the question being, uh, but the, it requires an extraordinary attitude and instance that helped my career. I, I I think when I first started in technology, uh, I was in my 20s, my mid-20s, uh, and I was um, gaining success. And it was difficult to navigate those hallways of a large enterprise company um, because it was a little bit abnormal. And a lot of my customers were in the federal and state uh, government area. So I was living in, and working in Washington, D.C., um, a lot of, you know, where, how you get ahead in, in those kind of environments and ecosystems is through tenure. I did not have any tenure, but I, I, I got onto, uh, part of 
part of what uh, SAP and Business Office were doing at the time was extending the SDK and the object model of of their pro of their their product. And that means you had to program against it using VB and VBA, which I knew and, and was able to do successfully. And so it got me in a lot of meetings and places that I probably wouldn't have gotten to otherwise at you know the age of twenty five and twenty six. So um, those. You know, being able to know that it's always about results, it's always about driving value, which is still the same today in customer success, leading, leading with an outcome, the outcomes in mind that you own and the results that you're going to drive towards them. So that attitude has uh, been pervasive and, and is still very uh, much the top of mind every, every day of my life professionally and, and personally. Great. I mean, that's that's an extraordinary input. So my, my, my next question to you, right? So your go-to strategy for handling tough customers, how do you handle confrontations? Because in our profession, right, where what we do today, we own up the product flaws. We own up the flaws of the sales and, and customers could be disappointed. There could be expectations mismatched and we are always in the line of fire, right? How, what, is, what is your go-to strategy to handle Tough customers and tough situations. Uh, so it's it's first do your research so you know the facts. Um, that's first. Uh, second, and these are tactical operational items. So do your research, know your facts, know what what's actually occurred uh, in this in incident. Uh, two, know. Uh, the smallest detail of what needs to be fixed to uh, get the log jam and turn the lights back on. So that's the second thing. But then the, the other three things are much more foundational uh, to the entire environment. And that's one, be honest. The, if, the, if something's gone wrong, uh, it, it's only going to get worse by trying to uh, be cute or uh, nuance your way out of it. So be honest, be upfront, uh, and be raw with it. Uh, number two is find connection points with all individuals. That's internal, external, um, with empathy. And so try to find ways that you can connect with people with an understanding, hey, something went wrong here. It, it happens. Unfortunately, here's our incident where it's happened. Uh, and we're going to make this right. Let's start. We need to work together to get, that, to, get to uh, any sort of progress. And then third, always remember that business is not personal. Um, it has no, there's no judgment on you or the customer or anyone that you work with or anyone that's collaborating. Um, you're, you've run into an incident. You need to handle it, take care of it. Um, you can do lessons learned and have a postmortem afterwards. Uh, but let's just write the ship and get moving forward first. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do your homework. Get the facts right before making any commitments. And once, if indeed things have gone wrong, own up that shit, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> great, yeah. That's a, that's a fantastic input. So are these the kind of skills that you're expecting in the candidates that you're hiring? I'm sure you're hiring. And, you know, what do you specifically uh, look for or ask in these candidates that are aspiring to be uh, CSM leaders? Sure. Um, you know, it, it does come back to that. So the first thing I look at is character, the character of the individual. Um, that's that's primary. Um, growth mindset. So some even if you're not in a hyper growth environment, but somebody who... Um, wants to add to the organization um, and, and has a desire to, to grow um, themselves personally. And hopefully that will match with the organization over time. Um, that's important. Um, and has internal drive. I, they're kind of the same thing, but not uh, a growth mindset has more to do about the opportunity organization. Uh, internal drive means this person uh, wants to, th to get the right thing done at the right time uh, in the right manner. Um, they're interested about they have a curiosity to them. Uh, they have a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. 
um, as well. That's uh, very attractive for a candidate. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the real thing about all of those three items is that you're not trying well, I'm not trying to match uh, the culture. I'm not trying to define the culture with an individual. I um, and and really trying to keep the the company culture together. What I'm trying to do is actually extend and expand our culture by finding individuals that have different skill sets professionally and then different backgrounds personally, and that will really add value to the organization. Because I I think a lot of organizations. Um, are very bent on their culture. Our culture is a, is this. We are whatever their culture happens to be. We are, uh, you know, irreverent, or you know, we like to have a lot of fun, or we we are head on process, or you know, whatever their culture is. Um, I think people like to try to to keep that too tight. And I would say that the opposite, expand it, um, bring in new sets of eyes, bring in new experiences, freshen um, your, uh, your contributing pool of talent. Um, and so don't be so prescriptive, be very inclusive uh, in that manner. Um, and then uh, from a customer success perspective, I do look for customer facing really uh, roles at a minimum. I, I don't say, and, and you can't say in this employment environment, uh, an overall candidate pool, you can't say, oh, you must have you know customer success experience to come in and be uh, a, an associate CSM uh, and handle uh, you know the SMB and mid market accounts. Um, you you do have to have some sort of uh, interface with the public in, in a commercial way that would be helpful. And after that, um, account management is always helpful, whether it's uh, again sales or post sales support individuals that come. And I actually did a podcast. Uh, for my company market source on this, um, I found a lot of good talent in support because it's it's easier to teach the uh, softer skills uh, and nuance yeah. of relationship management than it is to to do it the other way around where you're going after technology education. Um, and then of course customer success is an, is an optimal. Uh, but you know what the thing is, customer success is done so differently in every single organization, even in the same space, markets, and verticals, that if you bring somebody in from a different CS perspective, um, then they're kind of glued to that perspective, it, except um, especially if it includes a platform mm-hmm. and so and BI tools and a, a performance management tool uh, like a you know a, con, a contact and recording tool. Um, so you want to be careful that you're not getting someone that's so subscriptive and into their platforms uh, that they're coming from, the tech stack that they've been married to, uh, that you have somebody that's still flexible. Hmm. So it's interesting you you took the conversation towards tools and processes, uh, right? Uh, Why don't you give us a perspective on your favorite CSM tools, tools that you think are absolutely hitting it off the park today for a CSM needs or for your organization? And also, I mean, you kind of answered that you do not expect the candidates that are joining in uh, to come with knowledge on these tools, right? But but more with an open mindset to adapt as as organization evolves with it. CSM because it's a very uh, naive or a growing market. So what are are your go-to tools? uh, You know, what processes are you currently using? What is helping? What is not helping? You know, uh, I, I've, I will say I've, I've used a lot of things. I, the, uh, one uh, of my recent um, ventures, we had a, a, a tech stack 15 tools deep um, just for customer success. That was probably a, a bunch uh, as compared to others. Um, I've had a large amount of success actually with building customer success tools and platforms, at least the, the exact customer-facing um, customer success management platform out of an existing 
CRM that lives inside of my organization. So I've done that with a very large CRM system that everyone uh, knows pretty well. And I did that with a smaller one that's not so well known in the marketplace. Um, there are a couple of components or reasons around why that's so helpful. Um, you already have the IP in-house. Uh, so that's one. Uh, two, you don't have to worry about any uh, integrations from a CS system to the, to, a, to another CRM system. The the costs are um, in, you know incredibly uh, attractive, uh, just buying more stage licenses, maybe extending modules to to what you already own in house. So that that's been some advantages to do, from a DYI perspective. Um, there are massive advantages to bringing in some of the platforms. Um, just depends what you're what you're after. You know, if you have uh, hundreds of thousands of customers or you have data at scale, um, then there's some. You know, what I, I find out in the marketplace right now that there are, are because of the accessibility of technology and talent, um, you know, is growing at Moore's Law's pace. So it's more available and it's more cost effective. There are some really great technologies out there that are answering. Um, particular problems uh, very succinctly and directly. Um, you know, there's a, a product called Cast by uh, Cast App by Cast, and they do digital uh, executive summaries at scale uh, using AI and uh, some other technologies they have in house. And so, um, you know, it, wherever you can find the, wherever you can scale and automate uh, and um, mechanize a customer a regular customer success motion you will find uh, a tool for it and you'll find several good options uh, adoption uh, uh, software so adoption platform software has been very good there's a couple out there that will you know there's the walkmes and things like that there are also other ones like simpo that will uh, help you to devise a very nice tailored uh, streamlined towards different multiple segments of your user population to drive adoption and to give your customers just a really solid experience and reaching all angles of the platform. And so uh, those tools, and then I, you know, I come from a heavy BI background. I've worked for MicroStrategy, SAP, Burst, a few others. Um, the, the BI tool stacks. So I, I've implemented three different BI tools, actually four at one place, uh, just because they had different reasons to be. You know, uh, Tableau is great for some things, Segment's great for another, uh, Amplitude yeah. is great for some things. Um, and, and you know what? The, the, the thing that always works, and this is a, a, a good best practice, is put the tools in the hands of your frontline individuals. Put the hands in your CSMs, your CSXs, allow them to have a self service. Uh, aspect yeah, yeah. to the to the tool, it's always great, and I love CS Ops more than probably anybody else on the planet. But if you can give also flexibility to your frontline, you they will come up with ways that you can build additional workflows um, that will be advantageous to the entire organization. So don't always try to be so prescriptive and top down when it comes to BI. Nice, nice. So that BI, I mean, I've spoken to multiple uh, CSM leaders, and across the board. Uh, BI and the integration of BI and analytics into a customer success to drive intelligence and automation seems to be an overarching takeaway uh, from all these conversations. Yep. So that that brings me to a point. Uh, so what strategic shift um, is, is has customer success brought to your organization as a whole? Any any deep impact, a shift, or or a change in business, or an increase in business that you have been able to impact? Any such. Uh, uh, takeaways for us? Yeah, I, I, I will tell you this because I've uh, now been in this new job uh, for a month. Um, 
this is the new advent of, of customer success. And so I've, I call it customer success 3.0 because I, I don't have a better term for it right now. Um, uh, the other, the other slogan that I, uh, that I've, um, that I deem and use a lot that I've in some of my presentations is that CS is not for SAS, just for SAS yeah. anymore. Yeah. So you, you know, and I, and I tell people that don't understand customer success, you know, in my, in my friends and my, in my family, I say, if you have a, if you have a product or you have a service and you offer that to customers or other individuals, then you already have a customer success uh, motion. You already have a customer success ecosystem within whatever it is that you do you're just not calling it as such and you're not optimizing it as such. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at Panera, Panera has a, a subscription base for their mo- for their coffee that they've tried out in the Midwest. Um, you have uh, ink subscriptions, paper subscriptions, you have a car service subscriptions, you have a subscription for everything on the planet. And so the CS principles and philosophies being across the market, being spread across the marketplace to uh, manufacturing, to large auto, um, to service companies, to uh, you know, uh, CPG, oil and gas. Um, all, so these methodologies and motions that are now facing what really helped to, to speed it up was was COVID. Everybody looked around and said, "Well, I can't yeah. do top of funnel and, and acquisition any longer, so I better just zero in on my my new customers and all of the solid metrics that tell you things like you know." Um, what was the one that I uh, read most recently today? It was five uh, percent uh, increase in your retention is twenty five time uh, percent increase in profitability. Yeah, um, and and that and that's small. I mean, that's a small. There are met, many more metrics that are massive, but that's for your non SaaS customer. So taking so what I'm doing uh, now and what we're doing at, at Market Source is we're taking customer success by Market Source to the world. So we're offering customer success at scale uh, as a service to any organization that has customers and wants to improve their uh, profitability and their revenues and the experience for the customers at scale. And so all these principles and methodologies can be applicable to any customer journey, any actually pre and post sales motion. uh, And it's about customers for life, regardless of who you are or where you are. And so building that go-to-market uh, is what what we've done. Um, very exciting, and and could not have been done eighteen months ago. Um, and so bringing CS to the world and and out into every organization um, is because it's it's profitable. Uh, brings back margins. It lowers customer acquisition costs, regardless of your industry. So um, that that is where you know I, I'm so excited, proud, to, and grateful to bring my my passions. Yeah, yeah, and I I really think that uh, you know customer success will will slowly uh, take over as the primary uh, revenue um, sustain if yes. not um, right i mean an organization a unit for uh, any company and i won't be surprised if a lot of uh, top of funnel sales also happens because of an extremely powerful and customer oriented customer success organization yep absolutely yeah, yeah you have customer success qualified leads growing in every industry um, you know the the buyers the the modern buyer is expecting to have a digitally supported if not digitally led uh, buying experience and they all the studies show Although we can't believe it, that customers have confidence is higher when it, there is a at least a digital component to the buying site. I mean, you have people that are buying homes and yeah. cars and never meeting with a human being. 
Um, so, you know, you can, you can have these things done uh, and, the, and the level of confidence because they're done at scale with systems of integrity uh, is the new model. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So those were intense uh, questions and you <laughs> very beautiful answers. Now I'm going to take you to my rapid fire uh, quick responses, six questions, sure. and let's see what you got to say. Ready? <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Oh, okay. So your favorite interview question that you get asked again and again, and the and the answer that you give. Gosh, uh, it, it depends on the candidate. I always try to find something very meaningful and personal um, that's you know is appropriate uh, for an interview. And so we end up learning just so much about each other. And in the first uh, thirty or forty-five minute conversation, uh, generally has to do about what they really are passionate about in their lives, uh, whether it's, it includes work or not, um, or the and or their families um, and the 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 challenges and and triumphs that we've all been able to share in in the past uh, year and a half to two years. Yeah. The reason I ask this question is because Elon Musk has a way of finding out or, you know, shortlisting candidates by asking <laughs> questions. What is the toughest problem that you have solved, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My next one, your favorite books that could help candidates in customer success name three, or any all-time favorite that you would strongly recommend anybody that is listening to this podcast. <laughs> Well, if you find yourself on a desert island, if you had a copy of uh, David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest, uh, that would be very helpful because it's massive and um, you could read one page over the course of an hour and a half and still be left thinking about other ways that it could uh, unravel. Um, so that would be useful. Uh, but for in, in regards to customer success, I will uh, boldly state that books are completely outdated. Uh, by the time a book is uh, even goes to, to to its manuscript, uh, it's you know there are more takes on whatever it is that they're uh, prosthesizing about. So um, I say uh, podcasts. Um, well, you like you like that answer, but <laughs> podcasts, uh, LinkedIn communities, forums. Um, you know, in written format, in 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 the written manner. Um, 20, 30-page research pieces are instructive and useful. Um, you know, articles, um, surveys, large-scale surveys that are being conducted in our uh, in our space and our profession are useful. Um, but when it comes to books, you know, those are they're really good to say. You know, when I when I came up with Customer Success 3.0, it's only because I have a stack of books that. I've read and I can say, you know, between 1996 and 2001, customer success really looked like this. And then it went through this really cool evolution. And now we have all the advantages to go through this really massive, massive digital CS ops, uh, tool-led, uh, automated, amazing technology revolution. So, Yep. Okay. That's okay. so much for a rapid-fire answer. Gosh. <laughs> That's okay. The customer success report to sales or the chief revenue officer or a CEO and why? Uh, again, it depends on the revenues and the structure of the organization. Um, but if, if everything we've said is true, which you know that I believe it is, um, why would a CEO want any sort of revenue stream like that anywhere else but right next to him and her? 
so I would say that you would want, if, it, if it's uh, just a VP level uh, CS, you would want that in the C-suite um, and reporting the CEO because the, the, the life, and I mean, for all the other ancillary reasons as well, how, the best way to learn about products, the best way to learn about next marketing strategy, uh, the best way to triage away from support and engineering, uh, the lists are long, uh, but that is your Penn Station of your company. Why, why wouldn't you want to be living in it? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then we follow that in our company. <laughs> Thank you. So, <laughs> is, is customer success just a fancy name for technical program management? I've heard critics say that. If yes, do you agree or no? Well, that's because they're looking at it as, an, you know, the, the cousin to an account management um, the, uh, uh, function. And so... Um, you know, then I, if that were true, then you could say, well, then uh, enterprise performance management is just a fancy name for what a CEO does. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, then and if CS was just a program, then what is it? Is it a sales program? Is it a marketing program? Because we also do that. Is it a support function? Because we also cover that. Is it an engineering program that we're managing? Because we do that. Uh, is it a product marketing program? Because we're leading that for you. Uh, <laughs> is it even an HR and recruiting program? Because uh, what more important place does your company uh, recruiting arm touch than all the individuals that will eventually be touching one-on-one personalization at scale your customers um yeah. so that's you know I, you know questions like that you know make me want to just uh, turn the other way but um it's it's unfortunate it's a limited vision that someone would, would come to that conclusion yeah yeah okay now 10 years down the lane do you think sales as a traditional selling will disappear and cs will completely take over as and a very human-centered customer-centered way of selling and the word selling will go and it is more like, you know, we go by what the customer wants and uh, create products, create sales motion. Do you see a future like that? Well, you already have that. There, there are some tech companies that they don't have a sales function. Um, and so if you have a strong ICP uh, and you, you know what you're selling into, um, you couple that with or without uh, product-led growth or customer-led or customer-value-led growth um, and, and you're... you're, you're Taking the market a, a minimal viable product, so an MVP, and you look to to scale it out using a customer success function. All of those things, either coupled in totality or individually, could lead you to say that a sales function doesn't need to to exist. Um, I'm not going to argue that. I I, I see. A, um, but then you need a very strong, active, supported uh, customer, uh, chief customer officer function that that manages uh, all of the other. Customer facing orgs, you need a very, uh, you, need, you know, obviously it, it tells you what you need about your marketing as well. Um, but, it, and then so much is being, and I, and I see this in place that still have skeleton crews of sales. So much is being spent in organic and paid search and top of funnel activities that, yes, in some of these models, it's a digitally led sales motion. Uh, we did just talk about that and, and how that builds confidence with customers. Um, they don't want to be sold, they want to have an experience that leads them to a sign up. Um, yeah. And so all of those are are building to you know us really looking at the you know the validity and necessity and justification of a sales model. Um, and so for those reasons, you could and if you just think about basic consumers, um, we don't need uh, to engage in a in a, a traditional sales model, which is really what we're arguing about. Uh, whenever we order anything online um, or from a distance, like a car um, or legal services, uh, the list is long. Yep. 
All right. That was awesome. So one, my last uh, ask from you. I mean, leave our audience with one of your favorite quote or a leadership lesson or a, or any message that you want, uh, you know, our listeners to remember you forever. Any, any such thing that you can tell us? Uh, well, if I just if I just told you that uh, books are outdated before they're written, um, that that would be probably one a lot of people would argue. Um, I would say that in in working in life, um, and I actually had a long conversation with several people recently because the top one hundred is all the rage right now on on LinkedIn and other places. Um, you know, and and branding yourself and all this stuff and. You know, it's about leading with value. It always has been, always will be. Have something valuable, say, and and the results will speak for themselves. Uh, and so, in work and in life as well, uh, it's also about the relationships you surround yourself with, and you challenge yourself with, and put the value and effort um, into. And uh, about the care and the nurturing, and and the love that you give to your relationships, again, professionally and personally, and to yourself. Um, and that's that's how everything works. We were not put on this planet in isolation. Uh, to figure it out by ourselves and to grow alone. So uh, it's always everywhere I've been and everything I do, uh, even the most recent marathon I ran was with somebody else uh, shoulder to shoulder. So uh, mm-hmm. it's about doing the things that we do in life with others. Awesome. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of this amazing podcast. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time, Jeff. You're most welcome. And I did leave you short. And thanks everyone for listening to this podcast. And in the next episode, we will see you soon with yet another inspiring, interesting customer success leader. Until then, have fun and enjoy life. Yeah.